0: Welcome to this edition of Code Talk, the concise podcast to help you get to know the National Electrical Code. I am your host, Frank Seiler, based in Spokane, Washington, and today's episode is entitled, The Grounded Conductor, Article 200. Now, in Episode 3 of this broadcast, we highlighted the importance of definitions. Understanding the correct meaning of a term in the National Electrical Code is going to help us get the installation right from the get-go, and also, we will not be wondering what the test question is asking when we get ready to test out. So the last episode, we teased with the question, what color is the grounded conductor, really? If you have the code book open to Article 200 and jump in a few paragraphs... Uh, you'll find that the color is white or gray. So you might rightfully ask then, why don't we call this article The Use and Identification of the Neutral Conductor? Isn't that what is being talked about here? Well, let me put your mind at ease. Yes, all neutrals that we come across in electrical systems fall under the guise of Article 200. But there are some conductors that are grounded, yet they are not neutrals. And they have to have a home in the code too. So let's explore. It's a short article. For the next few minutes, we can pick it apart a bit. So Article 200, the scope says that it covers three things. One, the identification of terminals. Two, grounded conductors in premise wiring systems. And three, their identification, or the identification of the conductors. And then right underneath it says, by the way, check back with Article 100 for some definitions for grounded conductor, equipment grounding conductor, and grounding electrode conductor. And so we'll we'll do that for one of them, the grounded conductor. I'll paraphrase the other two. The grounded conductor is defined as a system or circuit conductor that is intentionally grounded. In other words, this is a current carrying conductor. It's part of the circuit. Current is flowing through it. It's the return path back to the transformer. And if we compare that to the other two conductors that are mentioned there, the equipment grounding conductor, well, that provides a measure of protection alongside of the uh, current carrying conductors to bond all of the equipment together and to provide a ground fault path in case something grounds out. And the other one that's mentioned is the grounding electrode conductor. Well, that just takes the system and connects it to the Earth to stabilize system voltage and to provide a path for Overvoltages voltages from sources outside of the circuit. So the system or circuit conductor that is intentionally grounded, we've purposely grounded it. We've taken this conductor, the utility has too. At the transformer, they've taken a grounding system, ran it up the pole, connected it to the XO terminal, and from that, we get the neutral that's been fed to us in the service. We do the same thing. We bond it to the case, with our main bonding jumper, and we also run a grounding electrode conductor from our grounding electrode system back to that neutral bus because that grounds that particular part of the electrical system. It makes that part of the system safe to touch. So because it is a current carrying conductor, in most cases it's going to be insulated. 200.2 tells us that if it's part of premise wiring, we're going to insulate it ...for the expected voltage that the rest of the system has. There's a couple of exceptions. And you can think of one, perhaps, when the utility sends you the service conductor overhead, that neutral is bare. It is the grounded conductor. It's safe to touch. It's current-carrying, but it's usually the messenger wire, and that's bare. And so there are some exceptions to the rule. And 200.2b, it also makes a statement that sometimes gets overlooked... Every once in a while, you'll open up an electrical panel and you see that perhaps it's the main main panel. And one of the neutrals has been slipped under the ground bus because it wasn't long enough to reach the neutral bus. The reasoning being, well, the neutral is connected to the case up top anyway. However, if that neutral current has to go through the enclosure, that is not permitted. Our code reads that the continuity of a grounded conductor, read neutral, Shall not depend on the connection to a metallic enclosure, raceway, or cable armor. There's also a note to go see 300.13b. If we have a shared neutral and both of the hots, or maybe all three of the hots, are present in our device box, we can't run the neutral through the receptacle, as in coming into and back out of the receptacle if it is a shared neutral and if all of the HOTs are present at the device box. The reason being that if that device fails and the neutral opens up, now we've lost the balancing that the neutral does. And whatever's plugged in downstream is going to uh, try to uh, have 240 volts balanced across the different loads with the loss of the neutral. So we always have to pigtail out the neutral if we have a multi-wire branch circuit. 200.3 highlights the fact that if we have premises wiring, we are going to connect it to a grounded system. The utility will run a grounded system to us. All of our standard wiring methods utilize a grounded system. Again, there are some exceptions, but in general, we're going to have a grounded system. Which also explains why in Article 230 it requires a neutral to be brought to the service even if we perhaps don't need one. Maybe we've got a service for a well pump, 240 volts. No neutral needed for the pump, yet we have to bring a neutral at least to the main disconnect can, because in a ground fault, that becomes our path back to the transformer. If we have multiple circuits that utilize a grounded conductor, read neutral, we have to be able to identify which neutral goes with which hot in the electrical box. And so if it's obvious, if it's a cabling system, then it's obvious, then uh, we don't have to worry about it too much. However, if it's a conduit system, and perhaps we have a couple of full boats, that's maybe we've got six different hots sharing two different neutrals. If it's a three-phase system, Maybe 120 we've got three hot conductors, phase A, B, and C, sharing one neutral. And another three conductors, phase A, B, and C, sharing a second neutral. We have to always be able to identify which of those white wires or gray wires goes with the hot conductors. What makes up the set? And there's various ways to do that. We can tape them together, we can uh, tie wrap them together. Uh, whatever method we choose, we have to be able to identify which neutral goes with which hot. And that brings us to identification, 206. Size is 6 gauge and smaller. Essentially, we have to use the factory color. A continuous white or continuous gray outer finish. Now, the code doesn't tell us where white or where gray should be used. That's kind of an industry practice. And so usually you find a white neutral with 120-240 volt systems, or 120-208 volt systems. You'll find the gray neutral, most often, with 480-277 volt systems. But that is an industry practice. The code does not dictate which one to use. It also talks about different kinds of uh, cabling systems. Sometimes you may, might end up with a, a cord set, and perhaps it's all homogeneous in color, like maybe a zip cord for a light fixture, And there, the identification can be done in other ways. It can be done with the wire itself. The wire can have a, well, here's the goofy part. The code says it can have a color that is substantially white in color. And I always made fun of this part of the code. After 2020, I can't make fun of it anymore because it says white or silver. But when the code says a color substantially white, when it talks about a metal, that's the silver color. The other thing that these cords often do is they have a ribbing or a, uh, a set of uh, notches that identify which side in that conductor is the grounded side. Now, if we have different electrical systems present in a raceway, cable, box, gutter, some kind of enclosure, maybe we've got a 12208 volt system, for receptacles, and we also have our lighting system at 277 volts. So sometimes a common raceway is used or a common box. Uh, One time we worked in a facility that had um, under-cabinet lights that were 120 volts and then had uh, other lighting systems at 277, and at times they shared the same conduit or the same enclosure or junction box. In those cases, we have to be able to identify which of the neutrals goes with which wiring system. If it's just one circuit of each, it's easy. We can do it by color. But oftentimes we have multiple circuits. And in that case, a lot of the manufacturers, for especially 12-gauge wire, manufacture white and gray along with a colored stripe that you can order. And so there are different ways to be able to accomplish this identification. Now for conductors that are 4-gauge and larger a lot of manufacturers don't make any color other than black. It depends on the type of insulation that you have, but 4-gauge larger we may re-identify, unless it's green. You can't take a green wire and make it a white wire. But uh, if it's, um, you know, let's say they're, they're all number twos, and we ordered a big roll of black and we're making wire cuts, we can face tape our, our hot conductors, black, red, blue, And then we can take our neutral, and we can phase tape it or or tape it at the termination with white. Now, if we tape it, the only thing the code says is that at the time of installation, a distinctive white or gray marking at its termination. Some people insist that you have to have three different places that you identify the wire at. Well, they misread a bullet item It says three continuous white stripes may be used, but that's a manufacturing thing. If we identify it in the field, one place near the termination is sufficient. Some others insist that you have to candy stripe your your wire. While that looks great, there's no such requirement in the code. In multi-conductor cables, we also have to have a conductor that's identified. And 4-gauge or larger conductors and multi-conductor cables can also employ an external ridge for the grounded conductor. Now, what about low-voltage wiring? If you ask somebody that's in the uh, heating and air conditioning business, what does your white wire do? Well, it's certainly not the neutral. In fact, when you put voltage on it, it calls for heat. And so it's a current-carrying conductor. It's a signaling wire. And generally, circuits... 50 volts or less are not required to follow the color code. That's in 200.7. Now, there are some exceptions to that. Circuits 50 volts or less generally don't have to be grounded. However, what if we've got, say, a 480-volt system and a transformer that's 480 volts to 12 volts, and then we have a low-voltage 12-volt system? The secondary of that transformer has to be grounded you find those rules in 250.20A. And it's because of the high voltage on the input side that the secondary has to be grounded. What else is sensitive to polarity? Well, certainly our receptacles. In fact, if you have a plug checker or plug tester, one of the things that it indicates is reverse polarity. And if we find that, we want to fix it. So receptacles, plugs, connectors, etc., They will have a W stamped on the back near the terminal that needs the white or gray conductor connected to it. Or it's going to be a silver screw, or as the code says, that it's going to be a metal substantially white in color. And for a screw shell, so uh, like an Edison screw shell for a light fixture, a lamp, the outside of the shell, the thing with the threads, that is the side that needs to go to the neutral. The center pin of the lamp, that is for the hot. So the grounded side always goes to the outside because that one is, well, you've got to try a little bit, but you can actually touch it. You can get in there with your pinky and you can touch that side of the lamp. And if it's uh, wired backwards, then you might get shocked. So we don't want that. So screw shells, the outside is going to be the grounded conductor. The center pin is the ungrounded conductor. And then the article concludes by saying 200.11, no grounded conductor or neutral shall be attached to any terminal or lead so as to reverse the designated polarity. And that wraps it up for Article 200. Now, I mentioned a couple of times that we call it the grounded conductor rather than the neutral because not all systems have a neutral. What is a neutral? If you look at the way the transformer is designed that has a neutral, the neutral is a midpoint. It's one winding that's been split in half, and so the neutral is the common return point in the middle of the winding. Or, if it's a Y-connected three-phase system, it is the common point between three windings, and again, it's the midpoint between those three. There are systems that don't have a midpoint. For example... If you have a motor control circuit, 480 volts on the primary side, you have a little transformer, 120 volts on the secondary. You have two output leads out of that transformer. And it doesn't matter which one you choose to ground out. If you ground one side, say X2, X1 is automatically the hot conductor or the ungrounded conductor. If you ground X1, X2 is automatically the ungrounded conductor. And so you will use the ungrounded conductor to go to your fusing, to run through your controls, and then the grounded side of that transformer as your return path for the motor controls. But the transformer doesn't care which side you chose. If you chose one side to be grounded, the other one's a hot. There's no neutral there. Sometimes we even have three-phase systems. They are called a corner-grounded delta system. And we'll talk about that when we get to transformers a little bit. But essentially, there are some three-phase services where all we have is a three-phase load, maybe a three-phase pump. And that particular load is not requiring a neutral to be present. However, we need a grounded conductor. We need to tie our case and our equipment grounding and our grounding electrode to something in the electrical system that provides a return path back to the transformer. And so if in your mind you can picture a triangle, in a normal three-phase system with a neutral, we will generally take the winding between A phase and C phase and center tap that, and that is our neutral. However, in a corner-grounded system, rather than having a center tap neutral, we take C phase, a current-carrying conductor, but we ground it out. It just makes it safe to touch. Now, they're pretty rare, but every once in a while you'll run across these. Again, you have a grounded conductor, but you don't have a neutral in this system. When I get to uh, making the lecture notes for this particular episode, I'll diagram all of the transformer systems there, including the ones that I talked about that have a grounded conductor, but no neutral. And perhaps that'll make a little bit more sense. Well, that does it for this episode. Like I said, it's a short article. I hope you found it useful. Next time, we're actually going to step back a bit. You know, we drove right into this first article in Chapter 2 without a proper introduction. How rude of me. That's not the way that we usually do it. We're going to step back and take a look at Chapter 2. It's entitled, Wiring and Protection. It's somewhat misnamed, but it can serve as a canvas or backdrop, and we can we can actually use it to commit the whole structure of the code to memory. How the entire NEC is built, at line voltage, mind you. How it's constructed. So next time, mind mapping the NEC using Chapter 2. Now if you're listening where you can sketch along, make sure to grab a piece of paper and pencil, and that way you can kind of follow along with the ideas that I'm going to be presenting. Unless you're driving, that would not be good. Both hands on the wheel. Sir, I'm pulling you over for distracted diving. But officer, I was just mapping out the code book. Well, that won't fly. So wherever you're wiring or driving, stay safe. And thank you for listening. If you found this episode on a site other than our website, please go to www.inw-training.com for the lecture notes. Until next time, this is your host, Frank Seiler, Signing off from Spokane, Washington.